your mummy passed away during the night. Passed away is not a helpful comment for a child. They have no idea what that means. Um, mummy went to heaven. Heaven's just another suburb. When's she coming back, right? So mummy has died and gone to heaven was how I framed it to Xander. I remember the morning after she passed. Hello and welcome to the Parenthood Pod. I'm your host, Leonia Kidanor, and every week I will bring you conversations that aim to smash the stigma on struggles we face as parents. This segment is The Vault, where we ask you, our community, what is keeping you up at night? Your messages remain anonymous, they stay in the vault. To submit your confession, click on the link in the show notes. Welcome to the show. Nick and Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, super excited to talk to you guys today. And we actually had a confession from a caller and um, we want to sort of, I'd love to discuss it with you a little bit further, perhaps get some of your life lessons around some guidance for this particular person. Um, And hence why, yeah, I brought you guys on given your stories. So what we'll do is we'll cut first straight to that confession. Hi, Leone. I wanted to call and say that I'm struggling. My partner is currently sick with a terminal illness. We have one child. I'm scared of losing him. I'm scared to be a single parent. I'm scared for the future. I'm not sure what my question is here. I just felt inclined to share. Okay, so now that we've heard that person's pretty raw confession, right? I mean, I can, you can almost hear the anguish in, you know, in that message and, you know, Firstly, my heart goes out to this person who called in. Nick, I'd like to start with yourself. Um, you know, you, you've experienced sort of a similar thing where your um, previous wife p- passed away in 2020 from a raw, uh, rare f- form of cancer, which is just shocking. So, you know, my sympathies go out to you as well. Um, and, you know, leaving you as a single parent with Xander, talk to me about that time, particularly being a parent as well. What was that like for you? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, it's hard. It's hard. Um, I think there's lots of different sort of stages you go through from when. So my late wife Nicole had been diagnosed in 2018 when my little boy Xander was uh, 12 months old. Um, so just coming up to his first birthday. His first birthday actually was her first chemo. Uh, and she passed away about 15 months later. So he was sort of two, two and a half when she mm. passed away. And, um, I mean, one great thing was that he was so young, he was sort of naive to it all, even though we would talk to him, but he was only two and a half. And so he, he was the, the shining light on some very, very dark days um, when Nicole was very, very ill. Um, and after she passed, I think it was, yeah, it was just a big adjustment factor because I'd been sort of juggling parenting, single parenting him when when she was ill because, you know, from sort of three or four months into her diagnosis, she wasn't um, able to walk. So she was, mm. um, you know, she couldn't do as many things as obviously she, she wanted to. So I was sort of um, looking after Xander but also um, becoming, you know, being her full-time carer. So I probably, one thing that um, sort of I realised after she passed was how much time I had spent caring for her. I, I thought I'd sort of split my time parenting and caring, but after she passed, I found myself with more time than I thought I probably was going to have as a single parent. And so, um, yeah, it's a sort of weird one. And then, you know, having those conversations with Xander and 
making sure he understood what had happened. You know, my my goal in life is ensuring Xander remembers. My sole goal in life is ensuring he remembers his mum. And most of us don't have memories mm. of when we're two, two and a half. And so much of that's happening as time goes on and stories that we share with him now. Obviously, he didn't know Nicole, but she can sort of um, talk about things that I've told her back to him as well. So, um, but you do have to be, yeah, you've got to be very blunt with kids about some of this stuff and, we, we dance around the subject of death as adults and it's not a comfortable subject but it's an important one and we, we have to just confront it head on because unfortunately it happens to everyone. And so the sooner we mm-hmm. come to terms with it, the better and letting our kids understand what it means and allow them to ask the questions and, and to grieve in their own way is important. So, yeah, but the parenting thing, it's a, it's a constant juggling act. Oh, I could... kind of, sorry, I am going to butt in now because Nick he does downplay it a lot as to, you know, like it's, it's crazy hard. And I didn't, you know, I lost my partner, but I didn't lose my partner when we had a child together as well. And I think one of the things that I really like Nick and I obviously have very different conversations around the dinner table, probably compared to other couples. Um, But is actually for this, you know, person that's called in that, you know, Mm. we are really, really sorry to hear um you know what has happened to them but it's actually for the you know for them to come to terms with what's happened like it's it's a big thing and once you are able to come to terms with what's happened and the prognosis and you know all of that then it's kind of having a bit of a roadmap like moving forwards like you know what are the things that you want to do but one of the beautiful things that Nicole did and I think we're so lucky nowadays that we've got a, you know, a video phone on us constantly. Um, record those videos of, you know, your like your husband or your partner um, interacting with the children, because sometimes it might not be that they can remember, but when they can view back a video yeah. with, you know, their parent and hear their voice, like I lost my mum a couple of years ago, and watching videos of her talking is such an important thing like hearing her voice again like that's what we miss we can see photos but actually hearing that person's voice so just doing things like that Nicole wrote letters for Xander um you know and him being able to have those things to open and read himself when he you know is able to um Mm. they're the type of things that you might not always want to think that Mm. you know you're going to lose that person but Mm. just in a way, you kind of have to sit around the dinner table and go, how do you want to be remembered? How mm. do you want your kids to remember you? Okay, let's create that box now because you don't you don't want to miss that, you know, and you want to be involved in that because I mm. think that's also important, being absolutely in that, that yeah. whole situation of putting those memories together because you know that mm. then at least your, your children are going to have those memories with you. Yeah, I think they, I mean, I, I suspect as was the case for Nicole, but your listener's um, partner, you know, scared about what's coming but also leaving, you know, their partner as a single parent and how how to help them through that journey if you're able to is do exactly as Nikki said. Nicole left these beautiful legacy videos for, for Xander on, you know, what she loved about him, what she loved about me, her wishes for us. We talked about 
all these sort of things about, you know, her desire for me to um, fall in love again and for wanted to have more children because she wanted siblings for Xander and to never blame me for her illness um, as he got older. And she even did her own video for um, her own eulogy, right, the funeral, like, you mm-hmm. know, these sort of things that I, you know, not everyone can do and I, I, don't, I still don't know to this day how she had the courage to do those mm-hmm. sorts of things, but... Often people say, oh, you're doing so well, you know, you and Xander are so well adjusted and you've got Nikki and it's amazing and we've got little Leo now. And I often say it's not it's not us. We're, we're only doing amazing because of the way she prepared us for a life without her, right, that mm-hmm. what she did in the lead-up to that time enabled us to, to live our best life, unfortunately, without her. But, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. these things happen and I guess with the circumstances in your listeners in that they do have the time to do something. Some people don't have the time. Mm. It can be a very sudden death, right? So trying to turn some of it into a positive, which can be, you know, extremely hard. It's, it? it's, mm. it's, and, you know, it's a hard thing to, to process and I'm sure there's some, mm. you're going through some, some tough days. Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like she must been such an incredible woman, as you said, what a force of nature to be able to, you know, put all of those things together. Um, I'm curious. So you've got a child together, is that correct? The two of you. And then you've got Xander. How, I mean, look, for those listening who perhaps it's not their partner that's passed away, maybe it's a, you know, a friend, a grandparent or whatever that looks like. That's always a very tough conversation Mm -hmm. to have with your children. Now that the um, so how old are your children now? So Xander uh, just turned five or he's five and a quarter yep. off to school next year yep. and Leo turned one this week. Okay, right. So five-year-old probably understands, obviously, you know, that bit more. So how are you communicating and how would you be communicating death, you know, of, of others, I guess? And I, I ask because some tips perhaps for those listening as well. <laughs> Very... Um, yeah, so I so after Nicole passed, I became like really sort of weirdly interested in um, fixated, fixated on grief um, and mm. lots of grief books with you know, people like David Kessler and others and that have written these books. And I, you know, the the one takeaway from lots of that sort of reading and self reflection was just this this need to be um, blunt. Um, you know, we often use terms like. Your mummy passed away during the night. Passed away is not a helpful comment for a child. They have no idea what that means. Um, mummy mm. went to heaven. Heaven's just another suburb. When's she coming back, right? So mummy has died and gone to heaven was how I framed it to Xander. I remember the, the morning after she passed. Um, and, you know, the first time you say that is, you know, I still remember it's is very, very confronting. But once you say it over and over, it, it does get easier. Um And so that understanding of life and death and, you know, it's, they go, oh, okay, okay, well, why? Well, she was sick because to a a two-and-a-half-year-old cancer means nothing. But as he's gotten older, okay, she had cancer. Okay, do all people die of cancer? No, um, you know, mummy, Nikki's business does this, works with people impacted by cancer. We've had friends that have had cancer. Um, Gone, oh, you've got cancer. My mummy had cancer. Are you going to die? No, not everyone. You know, you, you sort of work through it. You need to be careful you don't go beyond what they understand. But I think allowing them to ask the questions, um, you know, it, it is, I think it's often, you know, when we talk with Xander's doing his orientation for school at the moment for next year, right? And so we've gone, spoken to the school. They know the situation. And I said to them, I'm, I'm not worried about him, right? Mm. I'm worried about the other kids because 
they're the ones that haven't spoken about death at home because perhaps they haven't had to and they haven't been around it. I said he's going to bring up the fact that he's got two mummies. He's got Mummy Nikki here. He's got Mummy Nicole in heaven. Mummy Nicole is the elements. If it rains, Mummy Mummy sent the rain. If there's butterflies, that's Mummy. Like he, he's absolutely fine. He's extremely well adjusted. It's mm. to the other children when they hear that. It like you can Slash just the see teachers it. as well. The teachers like, as well being prepared exactly. Um, and how they can talk about it and just helping them frame it and just, I think, opening the conversation. Don't hide don't hide away from it. It's my advice. And even when, um, like, you know, Sam has been at daycare and had little um, his sibling Leo when he was born and stuff like mm. that. And, you know, a lot of, because of COVID and because there's not been that interaction kind of like at daycare pickups and stuff, a lot of the parents didn't actually know our situation. Mm. And so... You know, we've got a, a WhatsApp group with, you know, the other parents at daycare and we actually told them the story on WhatsApp because, again, it's kind of, you know, for one of Sanders friends to then go home and then say to their parents, oh, you know, I'm, Sanders' mummy passed away. And mm-hmm. they kind of don't know the context of it. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's happened. You know, was it sudden? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. So it's kind mm-hmm. of just, okay, we'll open up the conversation there. You know, the teachers knew all about it and stuff. And so it kind of is just being very open with the people around them. Because especially with a child, you've got the child to deal with, but then you do have, you know, all mm-hmm. the surrounding people, mm-hmm. the teachers, the other students, all of that kind of stuff that, it's important that other people know because at the end of the day, it's probably going to be some other kid that goes up to Xander and says something to him um, and not meaning to, mm-hmm. as kids do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they might just not know the situation. And mm-hmm. we don't want Xander to ever feel that he was to blame or anything because he wasn't. Um, but I just feel that sometimes it's really important to know the context of stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, even with Leo, you know, our, our, we, we plan to be very open with him Absolutely. as to, you know, like Sandra and Leo have different mummies and this mm. is, you know, and, and we have pictures everywhere. You know, Leo will see mummy Nicole yep. as he grows yep. up. Yep. Like, and, mm. yeah, it's, but I think one thing that we've found and even in terms of, you know, both of us separately with our psychologists mm. is we've got to remember that as adults, um, and as parents, we overthink things way more than children do. <laughs> yeah. um, mm. Children see life much more simply than us. And mm. sometimes, a lot of the times, it's such a beautiful thing. They see things as they are. Mm. They don't overcomplicate them. Yeah. And I think even when you know Nick and I met and when I was being introduced to Xander, we overcomplicated it. We were, just, <laughs> we were thinking of every different scenario that could possibly happen yeah. that he could say, that he could do. And I think mm. both of our psychologists were like, he's a he's a four-year-old, <laughs> just, you know, mm. about this kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it is sometimes that you have to kind of back away and just go, you know, in simple, simplified version of this, what is it? Yeah, um, and I'll move on quickly. You know, I remember mm. Andrew shortly after Nicole passed was with his cousin, Paddy, who's six weeks older than him, and, they were having a chat one morning. They, they got into our place late at night. They, they live a couple of hours away and they woke up in the morning, crack of dawn, as three-year-olds do, and um, and and Xander pointed up and there's a picture of Nicole on the wall and Patty, and he's like, there's my mummy. And, and Patty goes, yeah, yeah, she died. And I'm at the door with uh, Nicole's sister. Um, I'm very close with Kat. And 
And we sort of like gave each other a hug and you were crying. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, should we play cars now? Yeah, okay. Wow. Like, like they just, and you're just like, it's a beautiful thing. Like yeah. they just had this moment. They understood. Mm. They both love Nicole. Mummy, let's move on. You know, and then they just get on with it. Whereas for adults like that, you know, cat, okay, let's take that in and it takes us to yeah. do it. But as Nikki said, they they see things such in a much more simple light than we do that they, you know, mm. things and kids don't. And that's Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's, you know, kind of um, relieving in a way that you're like, okay, I don't, you know, it's not potentially the same impact as what I'm feeling as an adult. Um, Changing gears a little bit, and Nikki, you sort of alluded to this, how was the transition when, you know, little Xander had you in his life and you, you know, how did you, and look, again, speaking to those people who might be listening, who are in a situation where they're looking to blend families and things like that. What was that experience like for you guys? It was, Xander was amazing. He was Mm. like, I think again, I was so nervous, you know, I was just like, Mm. okay, this is, this is scary. Like, and, and Nick and I had spoken about, this wasn't just me you know, being a a quick um, part of his life and, you know, moving on kind of thing. Like we were, we knew by this point that we were very serious and, um, you know, we wanted to make this work and stuff like that. And so I, I, I knew kind of what I was stepping into, but then at the same time, for me personally, um, it was a very different situation because I was stepping into a a role where this child didn't have a mum anymore. You know, she she had passed away. Um, Sander was absolutely amazing. My psychologist gave me some really, really amazing tips because I was very um, upfront with her as to what was going on. And, you know, she she gave me suggestions of to um, the first time I met him to bring bring a gift that we that I could play with him together because he was only three at the time as well. So, mm. you know, I bought something that we could go and play on the lake with together and stuff and um and he still and he still got it now and he still remembers that that was the toy that I got him when we first met and um Mm. and there were all these tips that she gave of like meeting in like you know an outside setting um not at somebody's home and stuff like that Mm. and um and he was just you know and I think for any of your listeners that um uh, either coming into somebody's life or introducing somebody into their life and into their children's life like it is such a such a challenging thing because you know you're like well am I their friends like am I their parent like what's going mm. on and stuff and mm. and it's different for every single person out there I can't give a cookie cutter advice mm. because everybody's situation is completely different um you know with Xander we took it we we took it relatively slow like um you know we we spent time together we'd spend like you know an hour or so together and then it extended to to longer and then we had like a sleepover and stuff like that and mm-hmm. um and it was you know I think the fact that he was three it was easy to have that relationship and that communication you know I I can only imagine what it's like when it's a teenager or mm. when it's an older child or even yeah I always think even even at his age now like trying to bring mm. some like if I'd met had I been you know had lost Nicole and, and perhaps mm. been single for two or three years after and then tried to bring someone in having when he just had me for say three or four years by ourselves I think it would be 
um, very difficult, not impossible, but it just would have changed the dynamic, whereas I was able to sort of play off the fact he was only three and he's a friend of mine and um, it was the only person that um, he'd met that I'd seen post-Nicole and that was important mm. not to confuse him or anything like that. And um, as Nikki said, we were pretty serious by that point. But equally, we didn't wait. I think we'd been going out four months at the time yeah. because I thought, mm. you know, Nikki, from my perspective, Nikki had seen me as, you know, the guy we went on nice dates with, we went to nice dinners and things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but I'm also a dad and I'm a dad mm. all the time. This isn't a sort of mm. um, co-parenting or um, one of those sort of situations and you need to see me as a dad and, and you know, neither of us are getting any younger. We've both been through a lot and I'm, we don't want to waste each other's time, frankly. So it was sort of like, mm. let's, uh, you know, are you ready? And uh, I think mm. you're like, yeah, okay, let's do this and see how it goes. Um, and thankfully it, it all worked out really, really well. But I think it's, yeah, it's very age dependent on the child and the, the way they've sort of adjusted to things and, and how you bring them in. And I think, I think you, just, you also just have to trust your gut a bit. You, you know your child best. You know them better than anyone else. You know how they'll react. And I think... Um, yeah, trust your gut, you know, seek out, you know, professional advice from science and that, but, you know, trust mm. trust yourself and what feels right is probably right for you and, and your children. Mm. Nikki, you mentioned something there which is quite interesting. They, your psych suggested don't meet, meet at neutral territory, not at someone's house. Why do you think that is? I think there's just you end up with, attachments like you know I I have I had attachments to the place where I live like Xander has attachments to his home that's his ground that's his safe place Mm. Mm. me going into that safe place Mm. me being a stranger and going into that safe place Mm. as much as you know I was seen as Nick's friend at that point it's Mm. not you you want it to be a neutral ground for both of you although Mm. you know people would look at it as he's only three years old, does it really matter? But at the end of the day, you know, we do, he would see his home, his home with his dad as his mm. safe haven. Mm. You know, he, mm. he knew that this was his place to retreat to. Um, me going into that space just, it, it wasn't appropriate. And I completely, mm. I, I see, you know, and his enjoyment factor was the playground. He could show me around the playground. He should, could show me his favourite swings and stuff mm. that, like, you know, and even still, like, we'll go to places, and, you know, we, we take, like, our friends to, you know, like, different areas of Sydney and stuff like that, which are his favourites, and he loves to be tour guide, you know, and he loves to show people around. And so it kind of gave him the the opportunity to be able to kind yeah. of, like, own own it a little bit. You know, if, if he wasn't comfortable with me, he knew that he could go off and go and play in the playground and have his mm-hmm. own time. Um, yeah, and I guess from my perspective, I obviously I wanted it to go well, right? Because I'm like, you know, I'm falling for Nikki at this point, big time, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I want Tender to like Nikki. Well, what's where's a mm-hmm. place where kids tend to be very, very happy? Parks, right? So mm-hmm. like, let's uh, let's go there and not have a meltdown at home over it. Or <laughs> was like, and I think as well, like you know, if you're at home and I just moved into a new place, so it probably wasn't going to be as big an issue. But had you know, Nicole and I lived here where we are now, and um, bringing someone new into the home, and there's you know, there's pictures of Nicole, and the first time I could, you could see questions like, oh, "Are you going to be my mummy now?" Like these sorts mm-hmm. of things that, yeah, they're they're very you know, they're questions you want your children to ask, but not the first time 
document them, right? Yeah. So how yeah. do you make that a relaxing, fun, enjoyable experience for the, the child's like, oh, that was all that was a nice day. I got to meet them and they they paid me lots of attention. You don't always pay me that much attention, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you know, those, it's got to feel good for everyone. But then also not mm. be over the top. I yeah. think that's the other thing mm. that I do feel, you know, even some of my friends have been mm. uh, meeting their friends' partners, their, mm. their partners' kids, kids and yeah. stuff like that. Mm. I don't want it to be OTT because then that's also mm. kind of like it goes the other way. Yeah. Like you, you just want it to be a normal Saturday where, you know, mm. you go to the park. You don't mm. want it to be that you're, I don't know, going like you know if we went to Luna Park you probably just yeah, yeah. Oh, what's going on yeah, there? Yeah. So, yeah a bit suspicious yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah so it's yeah. you know and you and I think the other thing that my site did mention as well was to kind of mm. keep it relatively short as well mm. you know it's not like a full day thing or yeah, yeah, a full yeah. afternoon especially yeah, with a three-year-old yeah. you know you want it to yeah to. yeah um so that's that was the other thing like um mm. yeah it was yeah you know, but it's now, you know, like a, however long, two years on, it's, um, mm. you know, it's Nick and I always talk about it's important for me to have that alone time with Sander. Mm. Um, we'll go and do stuff together. Um, mm. Obviously, we have Leo now as well. And um, Leo being a little baby, you know, a lot of my attention goes on Leo, but it's important mm. for Xander to still have, that time with me so yeah that mm. definitely yeah that that changed the dynamic again right because mm. it was sort of like a time where Nikki and Xander were building up a really special bond and then this little one's come to the world and rightly so deserves almost all of mum's attention and she's trying to spend mm. the time but you know baby needs a mum and so you know but that's that's typical behavior of a child seeking attention right regardless of the family dynamic so I think um but yeah just being conscious of those things and, and, you know, whilst it's important to do things as a family unit, it's also important that, you know, perhaps a parent takes this child for some time out and takes this one and, and therefore they can get that attention. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, We haven't touched on your story actually, Nikki. So your partner also passed away from cancer in 2018. I'm mentioning that as well because it's quite unusual. I don't know. I mean, is it? I don't. I guess not. Not anything in life is often usual. But the fact that you both had experienced relationships in the past where you know your partners had passed away, I can only imagine what that you know what a toll that would take on you. You find each other. Did you find it difficult to let someone in again, given? the hurt and, you know, all of that from mourning your past partners. Like, talk to me about getting back into a relationship with each other. <laughs> um, yeah, so I lost Mike um, in 2018. And, mm. again, you know, it was to cancer. We knew that, that um, he was terminal, This, you know, he was going to pass away. So, again, very open conversations as to what life is going to look like afterwards. Um, now, just as, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners are like, okay, so Nick lost his partner, Nicky lost her partner. We didn't meet at a widow and widower's club, <laughs> as many people think we might have done. Um, I'm sure those things do exist, but um, we actually met on an online dating app. And I think the reason that, you know, as many people do these days, and I think the reason that both of us kind of 
were intrigued by each other was Nick had actually put on his profile that he was a well, he put that he was a widow. Um, mm. Didn't realize he didn't realize that it was actually a widower for a male. <laughs> yeah. um, so Nick had put that he was a widower and um, I think we just kind of got talking because I was, I was intrigued. I was like, you know, there's, there's not many people out there that are slash there's not anyone out there that would kind of put it on their profile. Um, and yeah, we kind of got talking and I hadn't put it on my profile, but it was very, very obvious that mm. I had lost my partner because um, the company that I started up, uh, you know, it was very public to my profile is that I lost my partner. That's why I started um, my company. And so I think when we both started to talk, we were like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Mm. Um, and I don't, again, I think it was because of our circumstances. We didn't lose our partners um, suddenly. Mm. Mm. So that guilt and stuff wasn't probably as significant as it might be for other people. Um, Mm. We, you know, had spoken to our partners about moving on and Mm. it was still very difficult to let somebody in. And, you know, I'm not going to lie that every single time that either one of us complain about, any kind of ache and pain, your brain does mm. go to that mm. awesome thing that, you know, happened mm. to us a couple of years ago. It's always, mm. that's always going to be the case. Mm. But you, um, I think you just, it is very different. I think for us compared to, there, there wasn't that guilt there and that's it. Oh, there wasn't for me. Um, I, I felt that, I actually felt extremely grateful that I could love somebody again and be happy again. Mm. Cause I think that was the thing that I was most scared of mm. was that I was never going to meet anyone that was as good, you know, that was going to be like Mike, um, that was going to make me as happy as Mike did kind of thing. Mm. And I think that was the thing that I was so scared of not happening, that I was always going to compare people to him mm. because mm. wasn't he done anything wrong. Um, it wasn't that, you know, he'd hurt me or anything like that. So I, yeah, I was, I was was scared that I was going to start comparing people. Um, Mm. and I think for me and for Nick, you know, Mike and Nicole will always be there. We talk about them. Um, we laugh about them. I'll do stuff and Nick will just go, that's (laughs) such a Nicole thing. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And, you know, I, I think that, we have a very different relationship though. You know, I don't think Mm. there are going to be a huge amount of people out there in this world that have something like we do. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, we, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's, no, I agree with everything you said. I think, um, I didn't feel, yeah, I didn't feel guilty per se, but the questions of, is it too soon? Absolutely came up because, you know, I met Nikki, um, you know, a bit under a year after Nicole had passed away and, and I had started dating, you know, within sort of a few months of Nicole passing and I remember initially downloading one of the apps and then getting rid of it because I had this 
moment where I was like, it's too soon, what am I doing? And then I'm like, hang on, these are things we talked about and you know, that world, like Nicole and I had been together, we'd met when we were 18, we'd been together for 17 years. So the, the dating world wow. didn't exist when we when we met. So that was a, a mm. whole new world to me. And, yeah, putting it on my profile. I didn't initially have it on my profile, uh, to mm. be clear, but I I found myself wanting to tell people. I was very, as you can probably tell by today, we're very open about being mm. through. And, and I just, I was like, you know, you can't, can't possibly go and have a drink or a coffee with someone and just lay this news on them and expect them to be okay with it. You know, you've got to give people, I think, some warning with some of this stuff and, you know, it doesn't, def- it doesn't, my view is always, it's not, it's not something that defines who I am, but it does shape the sort of person I am and how I view it on the world. And so I think it's just important mm. to know that and I always say to people, the best thing about the apps is you don't know who didn't swipe on you, left or right, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever didn't like you, you never know who they are. And that's a great thing, right? So mm-hmm. benefits. I was like, well, if I put it on there, then I don't have to like awkwardly try and bring it up on a chat before catching up with someone. Yeah. Um, and that was probably the best thing I ever did because all the people I met were just lovely. A lot of people that experienced cancer themselves, um, mm. friends that you met through it. Um, and then, you know, I think a lot of the people I got chatting to or, or, or dated there, that there were lots of women who um, sort of accepted my past and and my story, but Nikki was the only one that engaged in it that I felt truly comfortable sharing with. She would ask questions. We wanted to talk about each other's partners. Like she said, we'll have a laugh about, you know, each of them often. Um, And Mm -hmm. then Nikki lost Mike. And, you know, like these are conversations we want to have. You want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And, And I can understand that for many people, you know, if you hadn't been through it, coming into that situation would be, you know, next to impossible. It would be very, very difficult to do without having someone that's been through it and gets it. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's a bit of a minefield, but once again, I think, yeah, trust your gut. And I think a lot of it's also important to know that a lot of that guilt and a lot of that kind of like voice in your head mm. ends up coming from a lot of exterior stuff. Mm. It, you know, it comes from other people's expectations. It comes from other yeah. people's opinions. Like, you know, the, mm. is it too soon? That's actually you questioning because other people are going, is it too soon? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, yeah, um, and you kind of, I think sometimes, like Nick said, it's trusting your gut and actually just listening to yourself and listening to your mm. own heart, listening to your own mind mm. as to what's right for you because what's right for Nick or I isn't going to be right mm. for every other person out there and mm. you know and it's not listening to you know because I think one thing that Nick and I both found was that as much as we were able to comprehend and understand you know both Nicole and Mike passing away a lot of other people that hadn't seen the daily battle mm. that those people had been through mm. um, weren't ready you know they they weren't ready to say goodbye because they didn't know how pain they were in or whatever mm. it was and so it's a lot of the time it's other people around you that make mm. you feel like you're not ready um yeah i think sometimes just retreating to yourself and just listening to what yeah and how and how other people are going to interpret like one of my great fears was 
know, I'm very, very close with, and to this day, extremely close with, and will always be with Nicole's family. We have a very, very, mm. and they've sort of adopted Nikki as their another daughter, which is which is beautiful. Mm. And there's Xander's grandparents, so you know, it's absolutely, and and Leo's now, right? Yeah. So always be part of our lives and I remember thinking I just you know I need to I want to tell them that I'm now dating again and I've met Nikki and you know I sort of went back and forth in my head about how this would make them feel and you know the feeling of loss as a a part you know as a husband is so different to that of a parent to that of a sibling Mm -hmm. everyone you know is grieved in a different way and that loss is different and um I'm not sure why I was worried they were you know as understanding and beautiful as ever and um but th- those are yeah it's often the impact on other people how are they going to interpret it rather than you know you might be ready yourself but it's all those mm-hmm. that come up that you, you sort of have to navigate but you know if you've got good people around and you trust that you've been through everything with they'll they'll be with you and they'll stand next to you so yeah i'm mm-hmm. very lucky that we've got them and we've got nikki's family as well so our boys have got mm-hmm. three sets of grandparents which is um mm-hmm. beautiful so lovely. So many people that, you know, are there to support and love you all. Uh, to that, if we circle back to what this person has written in, so essentially they're going through the thick of it right now. You've both been there. What, so there's two questions. I'll start with uh, what helped you during that time? We've spoken about how you communicated to your child, obviously Nick or, you know, Nikki, that it was a tough time, obviously, when you were, but what fundamentally, what advice could you give to someone like this caller who is going through a really tough time at the moment in trying to just get through the day? I would say one of the things that I reflect back on now and think Mm. was so important and something that I didn't do and I wish somebody had actually sat me down and gone, this is really important, Mm. looking after yourself. Mm. Um, I think as this person, as this caller, you know, has told us like they're they're the carer, um, you know, they are the partner but they're also going to be the carer for this person Mm. and it takes its toll. It's so, it's so hard because you've got this person, there's so many different points to it, but you've got this person that is sick, that you love, that you care for, that is the parent of your child. You don't want them to go. You're trying to do everything possible to mean that they don't go. You don't want to see them in pain. Like seeing anyone that you love in pain is just awful. But um, you 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 need to understand that if you don't look after yourself and if you um that's you know that strong body person like if you get sick or anything then you're also not going to be able to help them so you know take that time out like I um you know I had some amazing friends around me and they would literally just be like okay today for an hour we're taking you for a coffee like and we're gonna you know and or some of them were just like, oh, we're going to pay for you to go and have a massage. And the massage thing didn't help with me because I just lay on the massage table and just think about all the stuff I needed to do because that's what I do. But um, the massages didn't help me, but it was more, you know, for example, I don't know, going for a pedicure, but with your friend. So you were able to chat with them. You weren't thinking in your own head. Mm. You were, um, you had that time out for yourself. And, you know, it doesn't have to be pampering yourself, but it could just be mm. somebody coming over and cooking with you 
again, seems like such a strange thing, but cooking is can be such a chore for some people. But if you've got that other person that's there with you, you're talking to them about whatever it is you want to talk about, but you've got that company that's there for you guys to have that time together. Um, you know, I, I, again, for me personally, somebody coming over and saying, I'll help look after Mike for the next couple of hours. You go off and do the things that you need Mm. to do again, didn't help me because Mm. I'd have the carer guilt, like the guilt that would be over me. Just like Mm. I should be, you know, doing this other stuff Mm. or whatever it was. Mm. Um, having the company there really helped me. Um, but it was just looking after yourself and not allowing that care or guilt to always take over because you just, mm. you put yourself at the absolute bottom, especially I imagine when you're a parent as well, mm. you put the person that you love that is going through the cancer first and then you put your child second and then you are all the way down at the bottom. And um, mm. you just need to move yourself up every now and again because you have to fill your tank because otherwise you're not going to be there to fill anyone else's. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. That time for me, it was a game of golf, um, and I still it is. Still, <laughs> I yeah, it's it's so important, and I I do I truly truly believe it makes you a better you know a better wife or husband, a better carer, and a better parent uh, mm. if you take that time. My only other advice, I think we touched on at the start, is just having and they you know. Um, the, the listener may have already done this, but making sure you've had some of those conversations. They are very, very hard conversations to have, but um, try to have them um, do the legacy video thing because it will be easier for you longer term um, and that's mm. what your partner wants, right? So, you know, because sometimes it could be the carer sitting there going, I want to have these conversations, but the person battling the illness struggling to, you know, um, have those conversations because mm. they're just not dealing with it, not grieving with it. So it, it's it's a hard one. I was very lucky with Nicole because she she worked with cancer patients. She knew very early on when she was diagnosed that things weren't good. And so she confronted mm. it head on. She made us all come to the table. These are, this is going to happen. This is what it's going to look like. Simultaneously, you know, the fight of her life and tried to still mm. be here. But she enabled to, us to have those sorts of conversations. But I think having some of those tough conversations um and seeking support as well there's so much out there um Mm. you know obviously friends and family you know whoever's there but then also just in terms of like the healthcare system and stuff like you know there's psychologists palliative care like there's all of that that's out there but sometimes you do have to search for it And mm. you have to ask for it. And I think just knowing that there is actually a lot out there, there's a lot that can be accessible to you, um, but you just need to find out about it. And you just need to really be, open, you know, just if you're struggling, tell the people around you that you're struggling because it's it can be such a lonely thing otherwise. Mm. Um, and I feel like I found that a fair bit with Mike, that it was I found it really lonely because I feel that a lot of my friends really, they couldn't come to terms with the fact mm. that somebody that was around their age was going to pass away. Mm. Um, and my family were in the UK. So I didn't have that close proximity of family close by. Um, but there's amazing charities out there and, you know, yeah, just just great people out there that have set things up. 
to mm. help you. So absolutely, and even you know, podcasts, right? Listening to people's struggles. I started this podcast out of my own struggle with pre and postnatal depression, and I felt very lonely in that as well. And and that's why I've invited so many people on to share in their struggles too, because it just normalizes your experience and makes you feel less alone. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know. I mean, I feel like the both of you would have built such great resilience, given you know all that you've been through. What would you say, I know this is a little bit of a hard one, but when you think about life now and really how fragile it is and how beautiful it is, you know, how has your opinion on this crazy life changed given everything? Like, do you view the world differently now? Yeah, yes. absolutely. I often make the statement that um, before Nicole felt ill, if it rained, I got annoyed because, you know, work in the city, wear a suit. I'd, I'd have a, I'd have a, you know, a smelly wool suit and it annoyed me. Now it rains and I sit there and go, I don't have to water the garden. Mm, it just changes your I love that. perspective. There's a richness to that. And it's, it's so frustrating that you have to go through such mm. trauma and loss to realise the fragility, as you said, of life and this richness mm. to it. You know, the colours are brighter, the sounds are clearer. There's just a... There's, there's magic all around, but we we often miss it. Um, and, and don't get us, you know, take me wrong, sometimes, you know, we'll, we will sit there and be 10 steps ahead and, you know, complain, frustrated about this or something, and then one of us will say to the other one, let's just remember our angels and what they went through, and, and then you sort of have this moment, yeah, yeah, you're spot on, I have nothing to whinge about. Um, so I think you, yeah, you definitely have a greater appreciation for things that just it's... Um, it's frustrating that you have to suffer loss to this sort of thing to, I think, tr- truly, um, you know, experience it. Yeah, it's definitely, it gives you that. And I think it it, it also goes parallel with frustration mm. because then you see other people mm. around you that have, you know, this life around them that is, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that anybody's life is perfect, but mm. you you do sometimes look at other people and go, just take it in because you don't know how lucky you are that, you know, you have this or whatever it is. Mm. And, and, you know, and don't get me wrong, it's not that Nick and I walk around like on a cloud of rainbows every <laughs> single day thinking that, you know, the, the world is fantastic. We mm. definitely still have our frustrations. But mm. you, you do, I, I think you don't let the little things bother you. Yeah. You kind of, you know, you let something happen in front of you and you just go and you kind of will voice whatever's gone on and then you just, you walk away from it. Whereas other people might have it niggling away at them constantly Mm. for, you know, however long. And I think you just realize that that constant stress that you can put your body under is not good for you. You, Mm. it's not good for anyone around you. You know, we we hope that we bring Leo and Sander up into a world where, you know, they do look at the trees when they sway in the wind and they do look at the rain and, you know, think, yeah, you know, the plants are being watered or whatever. And it's kind of like, I, I feel like Sander is, you know, he, he is beautiful because he will just, he'll kind of, he embraces life. You know, he's a five-year-old that just, he gets excited by the most beautiful things. Mm. And, you know, we, mm. 
and we have moments where I, I swear I don't know you know I'm, I'm not saying that we are like unspiritual or whatever it is mm. but you know we'll be frustrated at the world for one thing or another and then suddenly you'll have these like two butterflies that will mm. just fly past and then you'll just be like and oh, there's our angels telling us to just take a deep <laughs> breath and we're fine and mm. I think it is you know I think it's important for any of us to just know that you can get annoyed or frustrated yeah. but also know take that deep breath and just know mm. is it really gonna ruin your life is it you know is mm. like is work that is work that awful that mm. you're gonna mm. you know I think Nick and I always say to you know like people are like oh I'm so stressed at work like I just mm. I can't believe you know blah 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 and you kind of just go is somebody like you know is it a life or death situation yeah and you're fine yeah. like you're actually you can go to your desk tomorrow and you yeah, can deal with it and uh yeah I literally had tears in my eyes as you were saying that because it's so true and I think we all do really get quite caught up in the world that we're living in mm-hmm. and you know I to date you know, fortunately haven't had other than my grandmother passing away when I was um, seven years old and she was, I was very close to her, but since then haven't had anyone too close to me, you know, pass away yet. Um, but I just can only imagine, yeah, that perspective it would give you. And even before sitting down and having this conversation with you, I was flustered. I'm like, oh God, you know, the million things we've got on the to-do list. And now I'm like, oh my God, like I just want to burst into tears because it will, everything you're saying, it's just so bloody true. And I, and I love that. And I think it's so important for myself and everyone listening to hear that and to help ground us. I ask every guest this last question. So how has parenthood changed you both as people? It's been the hardest thing I've ever done. And mm. looking, but then looking at these two beautiful boys grow up and just, you know, like I said before, just hearing a five-year-old just appreciate life Mm. and look at the world in this beautiful way that Mm. he looks at it. Um, Mm. Looking at the smile that Leo has as soon as he sees his brother Xander, it's like sometimes I'm actually jealous because (laughs) it's more than it is to a parent. Um, But I just, you know, I I think that's when I, I sit back and just go, Okay, I can't be doing this that badly. What about you, Nick? What, what well, I, think, comes I was just going to say, I think for Nikki as well, like it's she can be way too hard on herself as well because she she went from having her business, as she said, putting everything into that, no children, no partner, to single life, living in single Natalie, life, going down to the beach at six a.m. Yeah. in the morning, only having to take a towel with you, and whatever else. But yeah, going from that to literally within. 16 months having a partner mm. and two children under four mm. like, like it's that's full on yeah. Um, yeah. you know so I think and sometimes I have to remind myself of that um, mm. because I was you know a single parent for a while so having a second having a second pair of hands so it's it's different um, mm. but I think yeah it is it is the hardest thing you will do but it is the most rewarding thing you'll do Right, yeah. being a parent, it is. Um, yeah, seeing a smile on the one's face from the such, from the smallest things, from seeing a siblings from in the trees, from hearing that they get to go to the park in the afternoon or something. You know, it just makes you appreciate um, the magic of life. And I think as adults, sometimes we we miss that. We get caught up in mm. um, 
everything else going on in the world and mm. work and stress and just not being present in the moment and kids remind me to be present. And so I think that's um, that's how it's changed me, just trying to be more present with them to enjoy every moment. Mm, absolutely. I love that. Tell our audience how they can find out a little bit more about you guys. And Nikki, you mentioned your business a few times. Uh, tell us a little bit about that too. <laughs> um, so my business, I started when Mike passed away. Um, I just felt that there was a lack of support out there in Australia um, for younger people that are going through cancer that are of working age. Um, the statistics now show that it's going to be one in three Australians will be diagnosed with cancer um, before the age of 85. So it's something that is going to affect us all, if you know, whether it's yourself or, or a loved one. And um, so I started a company called My Muse, um, and it is all about uh, employers bridging the gap with employees that have been diagnosed with cancer or being in care of somebody with cancer. Uh, so mm. we do training, leadership training. Uh, we, yeah, come into companies and actually navigate them on how to be able to help and support somebody that has got cancer or being a carer in the workplace. Um, mm-hmm. Proactive, uh, proactive solutions and reactive solutions. So whether somebody's been diagnosed or whether you want to be that company that is above and beyond, and actually train your team up um, because you know, from the statistics, it's going to happen within your team. So do something about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it, it is such a rewarding thing. Like I created something after Mike passed away because I just, mm-hmm. I wanted, I didn't want other people to have to go through what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, work is such an important aspect of so many people's lives. Um, you know, I even feel that when I went on maternity leave, like, even that time I like I was navigating being a new mum, but you feel like you lose a sense of your identity because you're not mm-hmm. working, you're not doing that thing that you do every single day normally. And mm-hmm. so somebody going through cancer that is losing their identity, losing of their body because mm-hmm. they haven't got mm-hmm. control over their body to then be able to lose their aspect of work as well is not something that we should have to do. So yeah, I I absolutely love what I do. Um you know, it, it has been the easiest thing to go back to after maternity leave uh, mm. is, yeah, I know that I make a difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're online, um, mymuse.com.au, um, on social medias and stuff like that. I'm sure I can put it on your um, on yeah. of the, the podcast. And Nick is one of our advisors um, after mm. through what he went through. Mm. It's really important that we actually get an inside knowledge as to um, – yeah, you know, how other people deal with things and stuff as well. Nick's company was absolutely fabulous and fantastic when he was going through all of his uh, mm. things with Nicole. And so companies, when they do do it right, have a person that is extremely dedicated um, and, you know, it's beautiful to see. So, mm. yeah. I'll definitely pop those details in the episode notes. I think it's absolutely, it's so inspiring and just so beautiful to see, you know, having gone through the pain 
turned that into a bit of a passion and purpose and that purpose-driven business and in supporting others going through similar challenges. You know, I think all the best businesses always, oh, a lot of the best business, are, um, you know, are bred from, from that because it's such a personal, deep-seated passion, you know, within you. So, you know, thank you for the work that you do. And I can only imagine there's a lot of people out there, you know, who, yeah, who, who, you, are, who you are impacting on the daily. So, yeah, that's amazing. I will, as I said, I'll certainly pop those details in the episode notes for those um, for those listening to find you. Thank you so much again, guys, for your time and your vulnerability today. It's certainly not an easy topic. Um, there were n- moments there where I was like, don't choke up. You know, it, this is real. This is life. And as you said, okay, if you haven't experienced it today, you know, a, a death, at some point you will. So let's, you know, put a few things into place that might support us along the way when that does happen. So, yeah, and to that person who called in, any final words that you'd like to sort of mention to them before we round it out? One thing that I'm going to say to all of your listeners, um, Mm. and not just this caller, I'll let Nick address that one, but to all of your listeners is get your wills done. Mm. You know, get your wills done, get your affairs in order in general. Don't Mm. wait until Mm. you're sat in that doctor's Mm. room being told, you know, some kind of news. Um, Mm. Get that stuff done now because at the end of the day that you know that that's for you it's for your loved one it's for your kids like and it doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank whether you own a property like it doesn't it's for everything you know it's like have a funeral plan I know Mm. it sounds like the most morbid thing in the entire world but Mm. have a funeral plan plan how you want your funeral plan what music you want because when you leave it to a loved one to have to do all of that that that's what's hard yeah, because they all they're worrying about is is this is this it's what they wanted? It's self. So, it's actually very selfish. So real that's what I'm going to yeah. say yeah. to all your listeners is yeah. do that stuff. That's you know. Yeah. yeah, and I think for that particular listener, I mean, yeah, just remembering the days of Nicole. Um, I think, as Nikki said, take take the time for yourself know that that's okay and that will make you, as I said, a, a better a better wife, a better parent, a better carer. Um, and just try as hard as it is just to enjoy every moment. And um, when, the, you know, when your partner's well enough, do something spontaneous, um, you know, take one out of school for the day, just do have, have those experiences because those memories are what you'll cherish. And it doesn't have mm. to be that trip to Rome. No. Or, you know, no. it doesn't have to be the big mm. extravagant stuff. No. But, yeah, it's going and having a spontaneous picnic. Or yeah, an ice cream down on the beach or whatever it might be. Just mm. take photos, yeah. take videos, yeah. you know, cherish yeah. those moments, remember yeah. those moments, be able to reflect back on with your children yeah. as to what those moments were all yeah. about. Um, but it's those little things, yeah, like, you know, painting with your, mm. like, you know, with your kid and both parents and stuff like that. It just, mm. it seems like the small little things. And, you know, you, you, I think in a way you feel like it needs to be an extravagant thing of a really nice mm. restaurant mm. or whatever, but it can actually just be the local pub down the road. Like, yeah. Yeah. sorry, local pub down the road. That was such an English thing to say. Yeah, just, it doesn't have to be big yeah. and crazy just Mm. little things 
Yeah, love that, guys. Thank you so much again for your time. And I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm sure you helped a lot of people listening. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and share it with your friends. Want to contribute to the conversation? Hit us up on Instagram at Parenthood Pod and join our Facebook group. Until next time. Thanks for listening. The Parenthood Podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we produce on, the land of the Wurundjeri people. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging.